We were just waiting for them. Anyway, let's get started this morning. We'll start at, see, this is what happens when we wait 10 minutes after, after 11. When just more and more people keep coming in. If we wait till 11.15, oh, oh, okay. So what you're saying is next week we do two songs for the beginning. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are getting uneasy up here. You getting the idea. Let's stand this morning. We're going to sing our first song. To start the service, we're going to sing, My Savior, My God. I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned I only know it, His right hand Stands one who is my Savior I take Him at His word and deed Christ died to save me, this I read and in my heart I find a need For Him to be my Savior That He would leave His place on high And come for sinful man to die You counted strength so once did I Before I knew my Savior My Savior loves, my Savior lives My Savior's always there for me My God He was, my God He is My God He's always gonna be My Savior loves, my Savior lives My Savior's always there for me My God He was, my God He is My God He's always gonna be Yes, live and dying, let me breathe. My strength, my soul is from the spring. That he who lives to be my king. Once died to be my savior. That he will leave his place on high. And come for sinful man to die You counted strength so once did I Before I knew my Savior My Savior loves, my Savior lives My Savior's always there for me My God He was, my God He is My God He's always gonna be my Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, my God, He's always gonna be. My Savior loves, my Savior lives, my Savior's always there for me. My God, He was, my God, He is, 
my God is always gonna be. The Lord. It's good seeing everybody this morning, and praise the Lord for everyone who could be here today. Uh, uh, Brother Gunny uh, texted me this morning. He won't be able to make it this morning. He'll be here this evening. But he said, just lift him and his family up in prayers. We can do that as well. But guys, isn't it great that we live in a country we can just gather together on Sunday morning and just praise the one who truly loves us? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I thank you this morning that we do come together in such a fashion. You said that we are to, to not forsake ourselves assembling one with another because you know how direly and important it is for us to be able to keep those connections to strengthen one another to be able to continue to focus on who and what you are. So God, I pray that as we've gathered here today, that we not just edify one another, but that we glorify you. May it be your name that's lifted up and, and, and glorified this day. May you be able to, to sit back in glory and just hear the prayers of your saints, to, to hear the hearts of your people cry out unto you. God, we thank you that you have poured that Holy Spirit down upon us. May we be heaped up, overflowing, Lord God, to the point that when we leave here today, we know that others will know that we've stood in the presence of the one true King. God, we thank you for who you are and ask your blessing to be upon this service. And it's in Jesus' holy, sweet, precious name we pray. Amen. 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 As I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand today, and just let them know you're glad to see them in God's house. <laughs> There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its word. It sounds like music to my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me It tells me of a Savior's love Who died to set me free It tells me of his precious blood The sinner's perfect plea Oh, how I love Jesus Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loved me. Oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. 
couple of announcements this morning. As we make our way back to the pews today, just, just a couple of things I want to grab for you. Oh, I didn't see. Who was scripture reading today? Did okay, good deal. The first of which is, uh, both these are actually in your bulletin as well, but August 17th, our pool party is coming up. We do our pool party back to school swim party at the Floresville pool every year. Uh, this is an opportunity not only for us to go and have the pool to ourselves uh, that evening, uh, we're going to have supper here as we usually do, then we head over there to go swim. Not only do we have the pool to ourselves, but this is an opportunity to invite friends that maybe do, uh, does not usually attend church. Let them be able to come out and fellowship and see that, hey, we can have fun in a non-judgmental way, that we can go and, and just enjoy one another and relax, and let them see that Christians can go and have fun as well. So you're invited to, to bring your, your grandbabies, your nephews, your whomever, your neighbors. Uh, but that is August 17th that's coming up, and I want to encourage you not only to attend, but also invite someone. Let them come, and if you can get them to come and eat dinner here with us as well, wonderful. But if they just want to meet us at the pool, as, as long as they let us know who they're with, that, that sounds great as well. So August 17th is our pool party. The other thing that I want to point out, the Clats, if you remember the Clats, uh, they usually sit back here in the back. They have sold their property and are moving and things of that nature. One of the things that they did that's kind of behind the scenes that many of you guys may not realize, uh, we HEB offers their, their breads and things of that nature that do not sell. They give them to ministries. Well, Miss Carla and the, the Holcombs, they pick up for us in... Floresville. However, the HEB in Lavernia, the class are picking up for us every Tuesday morning. They're not going to be able to do that any longer. So we are looking to find some volunteers that can be able to and willing to uh, go over on Tuesday morning. And what Miss Carla can line you out on it, but you basically go over and they have it sitting outside. You just take the, the breads out of the baskets, the pies, the cakes, the breads, whatever they may be. We have to mark out the barcode, load it up, and just bring it over to the food pantry. Um, if there is someone who would like to commit to doing that on Tuesday mornings, uh, we would be greatly appreciative, and that our food pantry and everybody would be greatly appreciative as well. The class have been doing that for us, and we have truly appreciate all that they've been doing for us there. However, they are moving on. I need to, to find who it is that God's going to bless with that opportunity to do that for us now. So pray about that, think about that, give it to myself or Miss Carla, and, and let us know. Uh, we, 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 don't, we would like to continue that ministry, but we can only continue the ministries that we have people that are willing and able to commit to doing. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that if God's laid that on your heart. All right, uh, Chris has our scripture reading this morning. So if you want to, oh well, maybe Noah has the scripture reading this morning. Well, you know, she knows my, my sermon, I guess, because she's bringing a fishing lure up here. Amen. Father God, I lift up Chris to you. Again, thank you for his willingness and his desire to come and share with us the word. And I just pray, Lord, that you will bless him from on high. Lord, may we hear you through him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I had something else planned, but when I came in and saw the songs that Mom and Bob picked, uh, it was kind of late. <laughs> uh, it went along with this verse a lot better, so I'm going to read this.
this one. It's 1 Peter 4.16. I don't know if I get that up there because, again, I was late and I didn't get a chance to get the verse out. So 1 Peter 4.16, it says, Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So uh, looking at the songs and lyrics that we're singing this morning, apparently somebody needs to see and hear that, that God's got this, that God's got you in his hands. He's in control, uh, even through heartache, even through difficult times, financial, emotional, what, what have you. Uh, God is in control. And sometimes uh, he blesses us to be able to see the positive things in hindsight. So, you know, sometimes you go through a really difficult time in your life or, you know, really difficult thing. And then he allows you at some point later to see the blessings that have come from it. Uh, sometimes he doesn't. But that's okay because guess what? God has foresight and God has hindsight and God has all of the sight. He, he knew it was going to happen and he's still going to be glorified. So if we just play our part and glorify God no matter what's going on in our lives, uh, Maybe we'll be blessed, and even if we're not, we'll have our eternal home in heaven. And the All right, well, let's pray this morning. God in heaven, we thank you so much for your scripture that, that reveals your nature to us, that reveals the way that we should be and the way that we should approach you, God. Uh, help us today to do just that, God. Help us to renew our mind, to... Uh, to not lock in on the things of the world, but to lock in on the things that are above, that are in glory, and in your name. Uh, God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, son. Sir. All right, let's continue to sing this morning. Again, these songs are all kind of tied together in a way. So I hope you guys see the relationship in the, in the lyrics and I hope they can uh, resound for you this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that bad, I promise. We're just going to sing. There he goes. Anyway, we're going to sing Cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone cornerstone the weak are made strong in the Savior's love and through the storm He is Lord Lord of all when darkness seems to hide His face 
I rest on His unchanging grace In every high and stormy gale My anchor holds within the veil My anchor holds within the veil Christ alone the Savior's love through the storm He is Lord Lord of all When He shall come with trumpet sound Oh may I then in Him be found Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak and made strong in the same. Christ alone, Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak and made strong in the Savior's love, through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all, He is Lord, Lord. Sing like never before, oh my 
worship your holy name you're rich in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness i will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul. Worship Your holy name. On that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still, my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore, forevermore. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, worship Your holy name. I will worship Your holy name. Lord, we will worship Your holy name. All right, we don't do this song very often, and it's a little out of my vocal range, but I believe this song needs to be heard this morning, so we're going to sing it. Waked before, moved by the sound of his voice, seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well with me.
Far be it from me to not believe Even when my eyes can't see And this mountain that's in front of me Will be thrown into the midst of the sea Through it all, through it all My eyes are on you Through it all, through it all it is well Through it all, through it all My eyes are on you And it is well It is well So let go my soul And trust in Him The waves and wind Still know His name So let go My soul And trust in Him the waves and wind still know His name. So let go my soul and trust in Him. The waves and wind still know His name. The waves and wind still know His name. It is well with my soul, and it is well with my soul. It is
through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well with me. We pray that this morning that we all can sing and say it is true, that it is well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. This morning, let me start off by saying that uh, I was blessed this, this past week to be able to take a day. Wednesday, we had a, a trip set up for us, and Cameron and I was able to, to go on a fishing trip. Now, it turned into an adventure. We were supposed to go 100 miles out and, and get into the real big fish. Well, at about 50 miles out, one of the motors quit. And after kind of tooling around out there on one motor, he said, you know, it's going to be a long ways getting back, half power. So at 1 a.m., or no, about midnight, actually, we were pulling into port finally after getting a hold of the Coast Guard and and everything else in just a long trip. But while we were out there, it was a, a, it was a beautiful day. It was, the, the, it was just gorgeous watching God's creation. Now, at one point, Cameron, we were surrounded by... Porpoises, that's an amp, or is something about to explode up here? <laughs> Maybe God's coming to just tell you how incredible this fishing trip was. There we go. I was thinking, I, I know I got some reverberation, but this is going just a little bit too long. Anyway, the Cameron was able to go up on the flybridge, and he took a few minutes video, and on his phone it was incredible. It's not as good... Uh, once he emailed it, but I wanted you to watch this video for just a second. Guys, if y'all want to play that video that Cameron took, this is from the flybridge of the boat we were on. Those dolphins right there are probably about 10 foot deep. Can y'all see them? You see how clear that water is? That's not in a fish tank. That That's, that's the... Uh, the gulf that God has created. And those we were surrounded by between two and eight dolphins all day long. Those porpoises were just swimming along the boat and playing along the boat and playing all around the boat. That may be. That may be. But that being said... As, as you watch that video that he was able to make from the flybridge there, the thought that came to me, actually I was, I was already kind of planning on what I thought the sermon was going to be when on this fishing trip that Cameron sent me this video that he had taken and we were just kind of looking at how clear God's creation was and how clear the water was. It kind of dawned on me about just fishing in general. Now we know, if you want to turn your, your Bibles to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 4, you can go ahead and turn that off, guys, whenever y'all want. In Luke chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. But as Christians, you know that we have been called to be fishers of men. But there's something that I think, and this is the thought that came to me as, as I was watching this video, as, as I was just thinking about that fish trip, 
we've been called to be fishers of men, but there's something I think we don't realize, and that is the fact that, that Satan is also a fisher of men. I don't know if you ever realized that or thought about it, but that is true. Satan is, is also a fisher of men, and he would like nothing more than to lure you in and hook you on something. He would like nothing more, especially myself or any other pastor. There is there's nothing he would like more than to lure someone who claims to be a Christian, lure anyone. But the greater the catch is the greater is he that has, has went out and preached and taught the word of God. Satan is a fisher of men. And I can pretty much guarantee that everyone in this room has been bombarded at some point or another with some type of temptation, some type of lure. As Chris said, those dolphins around because we had those lures out there. We were fishing. Satan throws those lures out there. And we have been bombarded with temptations. Jesus also was tempted. Satan had no, no qualms about throwing lures out in, front, out in front of Jesus as well. The difference is, though, is that Jesus was never hooked. We tend to get hooked sometimes. We tend to, to get caught. Now, as a fisherman... I have learned there's probably several things that, that are, are direly important when, con, when it concerns fishing. If we're truly going to go fishing, and the first is it, it, of those are, we should always try to fish where we think there are fish. It does no good go fishing in your bathtub, or at least not in my bathtub. It does no good fishing somewhere where the fish are not. We, we need to learn. We need to think. We look for where are those fish? And then we also try to, you should anyway, try to, to figure out the conditions of the place you're going to be fishing in. Where are those fish? What are the conditions that, that, that around that so that we can know how to properly go and fish? Secondly, what are the fish biting on? What lures, what baits should I throw out there once I figure out when and where? What kind of bait should I put out there? And thirdly, be persistent. You can't just throw, a, 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 as we all probably remember when we were little, you can't throw the line in and then take it right back out. In fact, uh, Annabelle pointed out to me, I took Annabelle fishing a few weeks ago, and Annabelle was out fishing everybody else on the boat. And she made the observation, not me, but she said, Dad, they keep reeling theirs in before they have a bite. They keep reeling it back in. I said, that's right. I said, You're absolutely right. That's why you're catching all the fish. Because she would leave it there until she knew she had a bite. You have to be persistent. You have to wait. You have to, to know where they're at, throw the right bait, and be persistent. Folks, I would submit to you this morning that Satan is an incredibly good fisherman. In fact, I would even go so far as to say is that he is an excellent fisherman. Satan knows these things. Satan knows these, these, these ideas. He knows these tactics, and he is going to utilize them when he goes fishing for men. It is a truism. Now, understand, Satan is not omnipresent. That means that he can't be everywhere at the same time. That means he has to decide where and when he's going to go fishing. And once he decides where and when, once he gets his, his location down, if you will, he's going to try to figure out, now, what lure is going to work? What lure should I throw out there for brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, what lures should I throw out there? If I have figured out Satan's thing, and if I know where and when to hit them, now what bait should I put out there? And folks, we know the third one there, being a persistent, is one of Satan's points, one of his traits. 
Peter tells us that, that Satan is always persistent. He's always prowling around like a roaring lion looking to see whom he can devour. He is persistent. He is going to look and, and watch and he's going to, to figure out when and where, what bait to throw, and then he's going to persistently throw it out there. Now, as you saw in that video and throughout that entire day, the dolphins you saw never get hooked. They never take the bait. Why? Because they are too smart to be fooled by men. Our captain was mentioning, he said over, he's been on the sea for 30 years. He's been a, a captain for 30 years, and he has never seen one take a bait. He's seen them get foul hooked a couple of times, but they don't bite the bait. In fact, he said they'll sometimes swim up to a bait that looks promising, and he said you can watch them. They'll roll, they'll look at it and roll and keep right on going. They're too smart to get hooked. They know that this isn't real. This is fake. This is a temptation here. What I pray that we can glean from this this morning is that we can, can learn how not to become one of Satan's catches. The baits are out there. He knows when we're there. He knows where we are at. He knows what bait to use, and he is persistent. So it comes down to you and I not taking the bait. But why do we do so so often? Why aren't we like the dolphins and just watch and play around them and just never touch them? Why do, why do we tend to bite that bait? And there's pictures I didn't put up there, but there's one of me holding a nice four-foot wahoo. He was dumb. He took the bait. I think that's us sometimes. Satan's standing there holding us saying, Ha! Got him. I got her. She wasn't paying attention. She just took the bait. He just took the bait. When well, Luke chapter 4, I think that we see a, a, a beautiful blueprint on how not to take the bait, on how to be wise enough, smart enough, to see when it's a temptation, to see when it's a lure, to see when it's something that we should not be touching. In chapter 4, starting in verse 1 in the book of Luke, it says, Then Jesus returned from the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written. Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority, because it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want, if you will then worship me. All this will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. After the, the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. So, looking at this blueprint that Jesus has set out there, and knowing the, the tactics that we understand about fishing, what, what was Satan looking for? How, how does Satan tempt us? When does he tempt us? One of the, the things we can see here, and I can submit to you as a pastor and just as a Christian, one of the perfect times that Satan sees or one of the, the places he knows to really and go and hit us is after we've experienced some type of spiritual high. 
some high spiritual experience. Maybe it was a Maybe you went to a youth camp or you went to some revival meeting or maybe it was just a Sunday morning service or it could have even been a a TV evangelist or something, but there was something that happened where you're on this spiritual high. Matthew chapter 4 records that, that, that the temptation of Jesus happened right after he was baptized. Think about this for just a minute. Here's Jesus. He just received the approval of his heavenly Father. The clouds open, the, 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 the dove flies down, and he hears, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, I don't think that there is any higher spiritual capability. If you can hear the Lord say that this is someone who, that, this, that you are a, a person I am, Highly pleased with. Jesus heard, this is my son in whom I am highly pleased. This is, this is my child. Jesus was on a spiritual high. But the very next thing you know, the very next thing we see is Satan is Johnny on the spot tempting him. Jesus just came out of this incredible spiritual high and Satan says, well, I'm going to take you down a notch. Folks, I can assure you this morning that temptations often happen right after that spiritual high. In fact, when I go to youth camps, I, I, I stress that over and over and over on the way back, that you've had such a spiritual time, you had such an incredible experience this week, that you, 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 you had so many things happen. Satan is going to attack you when you get home. Satan is going to. I wish I could say he might. No, he does. Folks, when we go through that spiritual high, when we get to that point, maybe we've done something great for the kingdom of God and God is giving you that pat on the back and you just are heaped up and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Don't just sit there and reside in that. Understand and acknowledge and prepare for the battle that's going to be at hand because that is not going to be something that Satan takes lightly. When we think that we have got it all going on and we are on top of the spiritual ladder, Be ready, because that's when Satan's going to try to knock you back off. He is going to be looking for that. Another time, another place that he is going to look to go fishing for people is when we are in those the the physical strains, when we have that physical weakness. Think about it. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. Imagine the, the physical strain on Jesus' body. He was hungry. He was famished. His body was needing food. Temptations often happen to us during a, a, a time of, of physical weakness, a sickness of some sort. We've been in the hospital. We, we haven't had enough sleep. We're hungry. We're tired. Whatever it may be, when we allow our physical state to get to a point, maybe it's from a med- medical condition, maybe it was self-inflicted, whatever it may be, when we allow our physical body to go down, it is then that we tend to start doubting God. We start saying, well, you... Even worse, we start shaking our fist at God and, and blaming all our ails on God. It's all God's fault. And unfortunately, sometimes some people allow that to go on in their lives to the point to where they just stop and, and harden their hearts because of it. That's Satan fishing. When we've allowed ourselves because of lack of sleep, in fact, just this past week, uh, uh, well, it was actually that night I got home so incredibly late uh, fishing, and the very next morning I had to have Marty to a specialist and I had just so much going on, so I had I had like two or three hours sleep, and and I was running low. And that night I got home, I could tell I was getting kind of snippy with people just because I was I was so tired. But I really didn't notice it until the next day after I had a full night's sleep. I was like, "Wow, I feel like a totally new person again." 
That's when Satan's going to attack and try to get you to do something dumb. When your body is broken, when you're physically down, when you're just when 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 the the, the medicines have wore off or the, the whatever it may be, it's then we need to be ready. We need to expect that attack at that time. We need to realize this is when and where Satan is going to attack and not allow him to come in. We should know that we're going to see the bait drop down in front of us. The lure is going to hit at those times. And it's up to us to be smart enough to realize, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm hungry, I'm broken. Whatever it may be, I'm not biting the the lure. I'm just not going to go there. I know who's dropping that in my lap right now. Another thing, too, he likes to hit us when we're alone. When he looks out there and he sees that we're, we're, we're alone. Jesus, at this time, he was alone. He'd been out in the desert for 40 days. His disciples his, uh, were not there. He did, he, he did not have godly brothers and sisters around him to, to lift him up. I, 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 I'm sure this is why Jesus tells us, do not forsake yourself, the assembling one with another. Folks, there are times when we are beaten down. There are times when, when Satan's going to drop that lure and we need a brother or sister that we can call and say, hey, I'm going through a hard trial right now. I'm going through a, a, a dire situation. Or maybe it's, hey, I got this phone call or I got this and, and it sounds so reasonable and it sounds so good. We need a brother or sister with another pair of eyes. Say, whoa, wait a minute. Are you sure? Because something doesn't feel right there. And you can pray together. And when God comes into the picture, you see it for what it is. A big old lure on a Satan-filled line trying to bring you in. These are the winds and the wares that Satan oftentimes tries to attack. Temptation comes when we try to do it on our own. When we think that, well, you know, I'm, I'm a big boy. I can go out here and I can do all this stuff all by myself. When you get alone, that's when Satan loves to surround you. It's then, folks, that we need to stay in touch with God Almighty. We need to surround ourselves with godly brothers and sisters. But most of all, we need to realize, I need to keep in touch with my Heavenly Father. Because the more alone we become, the more we tend to shut off our communication to God as well. And the more we shut off our communication to God, the brighter all the lures that Satan drops in front of us looks. So Satan's fishing. He's looking for the when and the where. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you're alone and tired. Maybe you just came off that spiritual high and now you're all by yourself and you're getting tired from being there so long. Guarantee you that's when Satan loves to drop that pretty lure right down in your lap. Be smart enough not to take it. Now what are his lures? Or better yet, let's not get into lures. Let's, what are the purposes of the lures. What is, what is he trying to do? First of all, he's trying to make us sin against God. That when, when Satan tempts us, when we when we see the bait, the, the bait that drops in front of us, he's gonna the first thing he's gonna do, he's gonna try to get us to sin against God. Satan was trying to get Jesus to sin against God so that he could be disqualified from being our ultimate sacrifice. If he could get Satan to take one of the lures, if he could get, I mean, if Satan could get Jesus to take one of the lures, if he could get Jesus to take one of the temptations, then Jesus would be disqualified. All through these temptations, Satan is attempting to get Jesus to bypass the cross because he knew that that would save all man, believing mankind. He was going to do everything he could to get Jesus not to be qualified. He was going to do everything he could to get Jesus to just take a little bit you see, if Jesus is just taking a little bit of it, if he could have defiled himself just a little bit, 
He couldn't be that perfect sacrifice. So Satan is throwing everything out there to get him to try to sin against God. Satan knew that if he could get Jesus to to short-circuit the cross, that all mankind would be lost. If he could get Jesus just a little bit to, to do something just a little bit of a sin against God, then for eternity, man would have hell to pay for his, the price of his sin. So he was just trying to get Jesus just, just, just a little bit, just to sin against God. Folks, I would submit to you that he wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to sin against God so that then we will feel unworthy and not allow ourselves to be used by God to reach others for Christ. He wants us to sin against God so that our, our testimony is tainted, or our testimony is ruined, so that when we do go and, and maybe try to work for God, people will look and say, who are you? You're just full of sin. I've seen what you've done. I see what you do. You see, if Satan can tempt us into to sinning against God, he may not be able to steal your salvation if you've truly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but if he can get you to where you were not capable of using your testimony, whether self-inflicted because you feel as though you're unworthy, or whether he does it by others looking at you and them thinking you are unworthy. If he can get it to a point where you sin against God and makes you useless in the kingdom of God, he puts a feather in his hat. He says, look what I've done. He bit the lure. The other lure he'll throw out there, the other thing he does is he tries to get us to doubt our relationship with God, to, to try and become independent of God. Do you notice there in, in, in the temptation there in, in, in verse 3, the devil says, if, if you are the Son of God. Now, that, that stood out, you know, I don't know how many times I read that before I actually saw it, but when I finally clicked, it dawned on me, Satan said, if, Satan knew who he was. Satan knew good and well who he was, but he said, if you are the Son of God. He is attempting to cast doubt in, in the human side of Jesus' mind. If I can get Jesus to doubt who he is, if I can get Jesus to doubt his relationship with his heavenly Father, then I've done something here. Folks, Satan is going to do the same thing with you and I. If he can get us to doubt that Christ exists, I had someone text me this this week and said, why do we really need God? At first I thought it was a joke, and I thought, you know what? I don't think this person's joking. I really better stop and think this out and, and pray and answer accordingly. Because that was just an odd text to get from somebody who I would have never thought would ask such a question. Satan gets us to doubt God sometimes. It's a temptation that's thrown out there. And if he can get us to doubt our relationship with him or doubt our dependence upon him, notice what else he says. He tells Jesus, tell these stones to become bread. Notice what he says, tell these stones. He didn't say, pray to your heavenly Father in heaven and ask them to become bread. No, he said, tell these stones to become bread. If you are Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, then, then tell these stones right here to become bread. Just tell them to change. Take matters into your own hands. Provide for your own needs. He didn't want Jesus to pray. The devil hates any time requiring anything requiring humility and dependence upon God. No, he didn't want Jesus to pray to God for that bread to become stones. He says, if you are Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell those stones there. In other words, if I can break your dependence upon the Heavenly Father, just, just go ahead. You know, you're hungry, Jesus. I understand that. But you have power if you're the Son of God. You tell that, them rocks to become bread. 
Now, Jesus was smarter than that. But Satan was still tempting him. Why, why depend on God? See, Satan wants us to, to have a self-dependence. He wants us to think about our self-sufficiency. And he'll throw that lure out there oftentimes. Why do you need God? You can be self-sufficient. Folks, one of the, the greatest things that Satan aims at is, is attempting to get a Christian to, to overthrow their relation to God as their father. To be able to get a Christian to say, well, you know, I don't need God. I can do it on my own. If, I can, if, if Satan can cut off your dependence on Christ, he's accomplished his task. If he can get you to say, well, I don't need Jesus for this one. And you may say, well, you know, I prayed over the big things, but the little things I'm going to handle on my own. Folks, those little lures hook just as sharp as those big ones do. And it's, that's why we need to stop and realize that our Heavenly Father cares about all our needs, about who we are. Now, if we understand that Satan knows where to catch us, he knows the when and where, he knows what lures to throw out there, then we need to stop and say, how can I resist them? How can I turn, kind of like the, the dolphins, just look at that lure and know it's Satan and just keep right on moving? I think the lesson's right here. We can see it with Jesus right here. And the first thing that we need to understand is just do not comply. Jesus refused to comply with it. Jesus said no. In one aspect, the, uh, the, the teaching of the world says just say no. That is right. We just, uh, just say no. But it doesn't go far enough because it fails to point out that he was ready to reply to it as well. Jesus, when, when Satan said do these things, Jesus said no, but then he replied. He gave an answer back. And it is, it, it, we can quote from the scripture very easy. He, he looked at Satan and said, it is written. You notice that? Right off the bat, when Satan started the temptations, Jesus looked at him and said, it is written. Isn't it, it's amazing to me anyway that, that Jesus answered and baffled all the temptations of Satan with just an easy sentence. It is written. Jesus was not only the living word, he was full of the living word. God's word lived in him. And folks, I would share with you this morning that you may not be the son of God, which you are not. However, the word of God, the son of God lives within you. And the word that lives within Jesus can live within us as well. He was strong and he overcame the evil one by the word of God. All right, Stormy, that's $5. That's $10, your wife just said. <laughs> we need to understand, guys, that when he said it is written, he understood Satan knew it was written, and he was making sure Satan knew, I know it's written as well. And because he knew the written word of God, he was able to quote it back and, and, and divert the lure. Satan tried to hold something out there, and Jesus said, nope, it is written. Now, I understand it's hard to memorize scriptures per se, but that doesn't mean you can't read it. And the great thing is that when we read the Word of God, we are going to be blessed, and that Word has now been planted in our hearts and our mind. And when it's needed, the Holy Spirit's going to come forth, it's going to give us utterance, and you're going to remember things you had no clue that you, were, that you ever knew, because the Holy Spirit within you is the Word. But we need to read the Word. We need to study the Bible. I'm not, I'm not saying not to memorize. You should memorize Scriptures. But at the very least point, we need to start putting the Word into our hearts and into our minds. Jesus refuted these lures by saying, It is written. 
in First in, in John chapter 2, verse 14, he's writing to the folks there. He says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. First John 2, 14. Why did he say that those young men overcome the evil one? He said, because you are strong and the word of God lives within you. Folks, you really want to be able to thwart the temptations of Satan? Then the Word of God has to live within you. And the way the Word of God lives within you is you have to get your Bible. Now, if you don't like this and you like the electronic age, it's whatever way you get it. But the thing is, take it from whatever the implement is and put it in here. And move it to here. The word of God, thine word I've hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. That's just not something we teach our children. When the psalmist wrote that, it is because it was important. Thine word I've hidden in my heart so I may not sin against thee. Hundreds of years later, Jesus is tempted by Satan. And Satan throws these temptations and Jesus says, hmm, Thine word I've hidden in my heart, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of God's mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, it's not rocket science. It's not, I'm not telling you to memorize the entire 66 books of the Bible. I'm telling you just to, or asking you, I should say, just open it. Just read it. And notice in the next temptation there in verses 5 and 6, when, when Jesus, Satan is there, he says, I'll give you everything. He showed Jesus the, the splendors of the world. He says, look at all the beauty, the glory, the magnificence, the power, the grandeur, and the luxury. All these things that you see from the pinnacle of this temple. All that you can see is mine to give over to you. You can have all of this. You know how Jesus uh, assaulted and conquered the enemy with that one? With abhorrence. With with the detestation. He he said, "Why, why would I want all that? Who cares about all that? All man needs is to worship the Father. If we are ever going to win the battle of, uh, against sin, we need to ask God to give us a Holy Spirit look at, at the worldly things around us. You know, it's kind of an eye-opener. I loved, I got a picture of Cameron before we headed out on that fishing trip Wednesday, and he's leaning against this $300,000 boat. And I said, yeah, wow, you know, you ought to put that on a business card. It looks like, you know, you're just, you know, money begets money, and that looks sharp. But then when you get 50 miles out there and one motor breaks down, that boat didn't look so pretty anymore to me. In fact, that boat was starting to look real bad. Mechanical things, things of this world, are going to break down. And one day they're going to burn up. And when everything was presented to Jesus from that pinnacle, and Satan said, I'll give you all this. Jesus is thinking, what good is all this when it burns away? I have the Heavenly Father that lasts for eternity. Why would I want to worship all this stuff when I know the one who has everything. We need to pray. If we're going to skip over the lures that, that Satan throws out there, and worldly lures, materialistic lures are a big thing that Satan likes to throw. And it's one of those favorite lures that we tend to always bite on. When we realize it's not about the money, it's not about the car, it's not about the house, it's not about the clothes, it's all about Jesus, that's when we won't fall for the lure. I remember when I was young, Sherry and I was young, and the ba- kids were babies. I thought being a good daddy and a good husband meant how much money I could put in the bank. So I was, I was racking hours. I was trying, you know, my, my goal in life, what made you a good person, was how high on the financial bracket you got. We were into our third child before 
I, I happened to one day, I'll never forget because I told, said to Sherry, I, I can't, what, Cameron did something. I said, isn't that cute? wonder why the other two never did. And she said, they did. You just never were here to see it. That was my eye-opener. It's not about the dollar. My kids are more important. My wife is more important. My family's more important. And then a little while later, I realized, my Jesus is more important. I'm going to do what God tells me to do because everything else is going to burn away eventually. Don't get me wrong. I like things like everybody else. But you know what things are? Things. You're going to work on them. They're going to break down. They're going to... Get old. We were listening to a song on the Bluegrass Channel this morning coming in, and I told Shay, well, there's a good message in that song. She comes across a guy, and the guy says that I had all the silver and gold, but now I'm old, and silver and gold can't buy time. And that silver and gold, when you get to heaven, buys nothing. Like, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, the only thing that buys time is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that buys eternity through the blood of Jesus Christ. You want to skip that lure he throws out there? Then ask God to move into your heart and, and, and allow you to just see things as God sees things. That, the way God sees them is they're not going to last. The third lure that was thrown out there, verses 9 through 12 there, as that lure was thrown out there, it, 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 he's telling Jesus, he's wanting Jesus to presume upon the promises of God. You see, if Jesus had purposely sinned by throwing himself down off that temple. If Jesus had truly just jumped off and said, okay, you know, God made this promise, I am going to try him. If if Jesus had just jumped, he would have been testing God rather than relying on God. Folks, we are to trust, not test the Lord. We are to trust him. Look in 1 Corinthians. This is a passage of scripture everybody has memorized, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, No temptation, uh, verse 13, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. In other words, when you're in the midst of the temptation, Satan is going to throw a lure out there and says, Just do it. God's not going to let this happen. Just, Just go and do whatever it is you want to do. God's not going to give you that any temptations come greater than what you can handle. Just do it. Don't test the Lord. Trust the Lord. If God says cross the street, and you're going to go across the street, and you see that truck is coming, don't test the Lord and step out in front of the truck. God gave you common sense and ahead too. Wait for the truck to go by and then cross the road. Or you're going to look like the armadillos all down 539. Don't, trust, don't test the Lord. Trust Him. Trust him and say, Father, I know you want me to cross that road. When and how would you want me to do it? Satan's telling me just jump out in front of a truck. God's going to say, no, that truck's bigger than you are. Let it go by and then you come on across. Now that's pretty pretty simple-minded right there maybe. But it's in the big things as well. The question is simple this morning, guys. How are you doing with the temptations in your life? What lures are Satan throwing out to you? Now, I named a few, and those are the big ones that I could think of, but there's a lot of them that aren't materialistic. There's a lot of them that's not about testing. There's a lot of them that, that, that he uses individually on specific people. Whatever the lure is, how are you doing with it? Have you stopped, and are you able to understand? Have you read the scriptures about it? 
so that when Satan tempts you with it, you can look back and say, you know, it is written. Jesus knew he was hungry. He knew he was physically hungry, but he also knew that the Bible said man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, or out of the heart of God. Folks, we need to study. We need to look at our scriptures. When you ask yourself, what are the lures that Satan uses on me? Jesus has given us a, 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 a blueprint for a total victory over temptation. But we have to use it. We have to put his word into our heart. May your word be a light unto my path. That's what it should be for each one of us. If God's light shining upon our path, then we'll be able to find where he stands. If we've hidden his word in our heart, then we won't sin against him. Why? Because when Jesus throws the temptation, we can say, it is written. If Jesus has given us a blueprint there in that desert, why aren't we using it? Now, I will say, if the Spirit does not abide in you, then you don't have the power to overcome your appetite. That lure is going to look so good because you don't know what is written. You don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to keep you from biting it. You're just going to swim up there real fast and nail it. And like a, like, like a piggy perch, which is used for bait, you're going to get caught on anything. Jesus has given us away. Those dolphins in that video were swimming all along that boat all day long. Never touched any one of the kind of lures we had out. Because they knew that bait. They knew that boat. They knew that line. They knew that's not smart. Jesus is laid out in his scripture for you and I so that we can see. I know that boat. I know that line. I know that bait. It is written. I choose not to take. I choose not to touch. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, that's the first and primary thing you need to do. Satan already has you. God, you were created in God's image, but God gave you the the will to make a choice to stay on Satan's team because of the sin in your life, or you can choose to be washed of your sins and step to a holy alliance. Step to a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is your decision. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the first and foremost decision that you should make. And he's knocking at your heart as we speak, whether it's you're watching by YouTube, whether it's the internet, whether you're sitting in here right now. God's knocking on your heart. It's your choice, your decision. If you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, praise God. You still are susceptible to the lures being thrown out in front of you. How are you doing with that? Have you studied so that you can look back and say, it is written? Have you stayed so that you can say that this is a time and testing? I know that this is the place you like to throw your bait, Satan. I know who you are. I know where you're going to come, when you're going to come. I've even figured out what lures you're going to use. So I'm just going to swim along here and let your boat go right beside me, but not going to pay attention to you. You can have that power by accepting the Holy Spirit and then trusting the writing into this work, writing in this book, His Word. Now, only you can make that decision today. You alone know what those temptations are in your life. Are you willing to give them to God and say, "It is written"? Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. This altar will be open.
I believe Jesus has given us a, a blueprint on how to fight temptation. And I believe Satan's out there fishing every day. And he doesn't need to sleep, you know what? So he can fish at night too. And he's taught his minions how to fish as well. We have to learn not to bite. And just like that captain said about them dolphins, every now and then he's seen a few foul hooked. We may get foul hooked into something every once in a while. But isn't it great if we can say, I never took the bait. Where are you this morning? Father God, I just come before you today and and I just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you'll help us uh, not give in to the temptations. You'll help us and guide us and direct us so that we will see it for what it is and step away from it, Lord. That we won't allow uh, those lures that Satan drops in front of us to tempt us and tease us. That we will be able to know our word well enough to be able to say it is written. That we'll surround ourselves so we're not alone. That when we're in our physical weakness, we know that you will make us strong. God, may we permit all those things to our heart and our mind so that we have the blueprint available so that we will not fall victim to Satan's tactics. If there's someone here today, Lord, that, that needs help in those issues, or if there's someone here today, Lord, that, that does not know you, may you make yourself so well known to them that before they leave here, they make a decision, a choice. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. If God is speaking to you this morning, I'm going to ask you to to step out and do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. This is between you and the Lord today. As we sing, guys. I think you know where you stand right now. You know if Jesus is telling you to walk out and speak, or he's maybe telling you to open your hand and testify. Whatever it may be that God's telling you to do this morning, it's not for me to manipulate or to pry that out of you. It's for you to choose life today. It's your decision. Me extending the invitation sometimes is what God tells me to do, but right now he said no. He wants each one of us to go and make our choice and our decision. You know whatever lures Satan's put out in front of you. You may even be picturing it right now going down in front of you. Are you seeing it for what it is? All you have to do is say, God, put on your glasses. Or ask God, God, will you put your glasses on me so I may see it the way that you see it. Your decision this morning, guys. God's given us the way to step away from the temptations. It's our decision whether we choose to do so or not. We can't blame anyone else. When we bite, we bite. It was our choice, our decision. Amen. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. I I, I pray for your... Uh, I, I am doubly blessed. I, because the boat broke down, he's taking Cameron and I back out Saturday. So I'm praying that it's worth running this time. So we're going to get to go back out totally free. He's just taking us out there with uh, his family. And we're going to go and hopefully have a better fishing trip than we did earlier in the week. Even though I got to see God's beauty, it'd be nice to have fish on the boat as well. Huh? She doesn't think eight hours of beating up on the waves is fun. But I do. <laughs> Amen. Guys, have a great week. I praise the Lord for each one of you. Whatever the temptation is Satan's throwing out there in front of you, Jesus showed us how to defeat it. It is written. It is written. Amen. Close story. Will you close us in prayer this morning?
Father, thank you for this time that you had in your house today. And Father, thank you for all the, the great gifts that you've given this church, including the word. Father, a man that will bring your word uh, without any apology. Father, I thank you that, that you've given us wisdom to, to see temptation. Father, open our eyes. Let us not only see it, but let us have the wisdom, Father, to avoid it. Amen. Jesus is precious name. Hallelujah. That's right. I kept saying you'll see it, but somebody's right. Have the wisdom not to step out in front of that truck. Amen. How are you, son? Very blessed. Putting the water heater in. Thank <laughs> you. 